Amen. Indeed. Welcome to the war. It's keeping, it's still going on. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the victory in this battle, that the battle is yours, that you are the Lord God. And we pray that your will be done on earth and in through us this day, even as it's being done and declared in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, I pray that you, uh, as you are in control of all things, would orchestrate your love, your peace, your deliverance for your people. I thank you, Lord God, for giving us eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart that understands. I thank you, Jesus, for promising us freedom through knowing the truth. I thank you, you said, the truth will set you free, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So cause us not to look back or turn to the right or left as as you've cautioned us, but to go forward in this march, Lord God. I thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross. You completed your assignment to deliver the people, rescue us from the grip of the terrible one, even by giving your own life as a ransom in our place and a substitute that your blood covered and secured and redeemed us from the death and destruction Satan demanded of us. I thank you, Jesus, that you also left us with power and you didn't leave us at all, but you gave us the power uh, to bind and loose and forgive and to do those things that you've called us to do, to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, preach the gospel. And Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you've given us the power to do that, the desire to do that, the grace to do that. I thank you, Lord, for the promise that no weapon formed against us will prosper. So we include in that promise our families and those who work for us and pray for us and love us, the many that have come to us for help and encouragement. I thank you for those who are listening, that they will be encouraged, that you'll set us free from the stupors of mixing gospels, mixing religion and law uh, with grace and mercy. I thank you, Jesus, for setting us free from the snare of the table that has been brought upon those who mix law and grace. I thank you for those for the for the promise and the pre, uh, of rightly dividing your holy word of truth that the revelation of Jesus Christ will set us free from the snares and the t- entanglements uh, that continually beset us, Lord God, in our walk with you, Lord God. I thank you that you'll teach us to look and to know and to recognize uh, and see what freedom really is and what grace really is. I thank you, Lord, now for giving us uh, eyes and ears to see that we speak as the oracles of God, that you are the faithful witness and the wonderful counselor. So guide and protect us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Well, we're going along. Welcome to Rescue Radio. Yes. That's who we are, where we are. Yeah, this is who we are, where we are. You know, we've been going through the book of Mark. Yes. It's very interesting, and we uh, just this kind of leads. Jesus led into this topic that we're talking about today about uh, law and grace, old covenant versus new yeah. covenant. Yeah, yeah. And um, just reading from Mark chapter 2, verse 18, the disciples of John and of the Pharisees were fasting. Okay. Yep. Some some of them were fasting to be seen of other people, mm-hmm. to try to be holier than thou in the eyes of men and all that. But then they came and said to him, Why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. He's saying basically at a wedding... You're not going to fast at a wedding. Right. Right. You're there to eat. You're there to celebrate. You're there to rejoice. And they were rejoicing because they were with the Lord. But the Mm -hmm. time would come when he's going to be gone. He'll send the Holy Spirit, but they will have times of fasting then. Mm -hmm. Uh, The days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. And then he really, Jesus is bringing in, there's this overlap between the old covenant and the new covenant, that's really, really hard for us to deal with. And let people. go. Of, it, and it, it's it, we're super still, critical. We're still in it today. Mm, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but here, here's, here's what he says in Mark 21 and 22, 2, 21 and 22. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. No one, no one sews, okay. That seems like it's kind of foolish, right, to do that. Some people, we thought, what in the world is that? 
or else the new peace pulls away from the old and the terror is made worse. Now, today we live in a day when... People don't know, do any patching. No, you don't do any patching. <laughs> Hole, holes in your don't jeans think of is it. cool. Never, yeah. You can go someplace and pay $500 for a pair of holes. But he's jeans. talking about people who have to patch their clothes. Back in the day, right. they patched clothes. They didn't go remember to the... the day when I was a little kid. Yeah. We, we grew up on the farm and had the little yeah. uh, jeans that you wore outside, mm-hmm. just around the farm, tearing around. And mom would keep an old pair of jeans that were all kind of worn out to use for patches yes and so she didn't put new cloth uh, a new cloth from a new pair of jeans on an old garment but otherwise it would when it shrinks you wash it it'll shrink again and tear it mm-hmm. and you know this uh this concept of patching and wineskins was appropriate for those days they understood what he was talking they, about they, uh, right. Because the wine would ferment and then stretch the old skins, and then they would crack and break, and the wine would burst out. The same with the uh, the patching. But today, w- these are their concepts. These are their parables. These are what they would understand. They but what he's really that. talking about here is the bringing in of a new the new covenant. You know, he's bringing in uh, the understanding of you know it's not all about fasting. There are times when you rejoice. There are times uh, when it's appropriate to fast and it's always time to be okay when you're in jesus christ it's always okay to be okay because god has redeemed us and our righteousness is in him and so jesus is really the old covenant when we're talking there's several different covenants in in, that we read about in the old testament with uh, david uh, Mm -hmm. and so forth abraham uh, abraham moses uh, and moses and adam basically what he's talking about here primarily is the mosaic covenant and, and which would be the law, right. the giving the, of the Ten right. Commandments, and then there are a whole bunch of other laws or, uh, yeah. or rules or regulations or practices mm-hmm. that they were to be uh, performing. Right. And, and all those things were like object lessons. They were like foreshadowings right. of what things Jesus that were to would come. do right. as the Messiah, foreshadowing. The Old Covenant is the... Um, New Testament concealed, the new covenant is the old covenant revealed. Right. So it's been like the, even the, the the very detailed order of things, the number of times they're supposed to do this or that, the days on which they're supposed to do this or that, the colors of the tabernacle, all of these things <clears throat> had meaning that pointed to the Lord himself. But the thing is, this this Old Testament, let's just talk for a minute about the law because the law is still a word that's often used. And here, and you will see this as Jesus is now just beginning his ministry. He has already run into, in the very first encounter in the religious, of the religious spirit of uncleanness in the, in the synagogue, he is diving right into, cutting right into the thick of this controversy that has never been a controversy up until now. Up until now, the, the, the law was sacred, holy, it, it stood, there was nothing to, to replace it. And so therefore, when they broke the law, the only thing they could, could come into uh, understanding was they were going to come under the fearful hand of discipline of, of God. And but the, going back for a second, the law was given in the Old Testament because there had to be two things had to happen. Uh, the children of Israel, the one and only nation, one and only on the earth, the rest were all pagans given to idolatry. This was the only nation started, uh, initiated through Abraham and Abraham's obedience to believe God for the promises. One guy that God picked out of a pagan nation to follow him. And, and, and so this man brought forth the generation that was going to bring forth the, the bloodline of Jesus Christ. And, and as they were hung up in Egypt for 400 and some years, um, they lost kind of their identity. And so when they left Egypt... Uh, almost at the crack of the bat, they were worshiping again the golden calf, which reminds me, it goes, throws right back into the Zeus is considered Taurus or Tarsus or whatever his name is, the bull. And I think Taurus, they were, yeah. Taurus, yeah, there you go. And so he was, they were kind of going back into a Greek mythology or an Egyptian uh, god worship. And, and so God had to give them this very clear directive, 10 commandments, thou shalt, thou shalt not, and the plan for the tabernacle. So their their form of worship was going to be different from all the people around them. And so this actually distinguished them from those people. And the second thing the law does is to protect the people of God. Because if you understand the dynamics of spiritual warfare and the accuser of the brethren and what he does, 
and how Revelation says, and finally he was cast down. He's been on the, his job the whole time accusing. So he was accusing the people going through the wilderness, the people of God, tempting them to murmur, tempting them to doubt, tempting them to be afraid, et cetera, et cetera. And, and because they, they would do that, they would fall for the lies and murmur and complain and get hungry and you know, distrust God. They would sin. And because then after they would sin, Satan would be able to uh, take them up to court, throw them, uh, you know, throw this judgment against them that they're, they're um, deserving of punish, punishment, etc. And so God, to protect his children, said, here's, here's the covering. Here's the umbrella. Here's the rules. Stay within these rules, and Satan will not be able to have access. His accusations against you won't hold weight in the court of heaven. So the law was very good in that it protected them uh, and it identified them. But now as we're seeing Jesus come on, on the scene, the law is being replaced or, or completed, actually, and fulfilled. He says, I have not come to what the law, but fulfill it. I have not come to not destroy. Not to destroy the law, right. but to fulfill the law. So the law, is, it was, you said it was a protection mm-hmm. for the people to distinguish them from all other nations. Also, though, the law exposed their sinfulness. Right, just like a mirror exposes, exposes the spots on your face. But the right. mirror, the law, could not save anyone. It right. could not justify anyone. It, it could only show them their sin, just like the mirror shows you your spots. But the mirror doesn't wash your face. And if you would use the mirror to wash your face, you'd be silly. And the same as God saying the law cannot save you. The law cannot wash your face. The washing of the water and the blood of the lamb cleanse us. Right, it, it's so... The Apostle Paul said, by the law is a knowledge of sin. Right. He says it exposes the sin, that's the, the tendencies that's already in me. Mm-hmm. He said it, it makes that uh, come forth. It shows, well, okay, oh, wow, I was doing all that. So, Mar- for example, the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. it said, oh, my, people would, you know, Moses presented that to them. They said, oh, my. I've been doing this, I've been doing all this, I've been doing this, I've been committing adultery, I've been mm-hmm. stealing, I've been... Well, it was, it was the standard, it was the standard. It was a standard to show that we have not met this standard at all. <laughs> so God provided all these different uh, offerings, sacrifices, is, the Day of a, Atonement, a, yeah. mm-hmm. in order atonement. to to uh, to cover... That's that sin, but all of that temporarily was, actually temporarily it mm-hmm. was a temporary covering that was pointing to the day when Jesus Christ would make the, the final mm-hmm. complete once and for all sacrifice. What happened is they had to offer the high priest. They had a high priest, mm-hmm. and and they and once a year the day of atonement they had to offer these sacrifice. Some of them were offered daily, some of them were offered once a year. But again and again and again, and they never really fully did the job. Well, it's, it, you know, even in Romans, we go back to the, the, pr- the promise was made to Abraham, the promise of God's faithfulness and giving him the land and giving him the children. Um, and so Abraham believed God, and it says it was accounted to him for righteousness. That's what makes us righteous, is believing in the, in the faithfulness of God. But also, he says, for as Paul is talking about this in Romans, he says, um, because the law, you know, for their, um, for if those who were of the law are heirs of faith, faith is made void and the promise is made of no effect. So the heirs did not come from the law. They came from believing the, the promise of God. He says, because the law brings about wrath for where there is no law, there is no transgression. So conversely, then where there is a law, there is transgression. So the law actually uh, became a double-edged sword. It was God's protection, God's identification, but it was also now Satan's opportunity to find specific fault with people for breaking specific laws. If there are no speed limits posted, there's no traffic violation, no no speeding tickets given because of the fact that there is no law there. So that's that uh, that's what he's saying here. Once the law came in, it also gave s- s- Satan the right to go and pass out speeding tickets. I mean, and so, but the but the law, the posting of the speed limit does not keep someone from sinning. It cannot keep you from sinning. It can con- only implicate expose. you and expose it that expose sin. You from so, sin. so Jesus here is in Mark, again, uh, confronting those who are just beginning to sense that there's a problem here. And and if you, if you look at Jesus coming to f- fulfill the law, comp- complete the law, 
through his sacrifices, death on the cross. He had not yet died on the cross, but so his whole next three years was going to be to explain to them what was about to take place. And he's talking about basically his basic message was, and still is, the kingdom of God, Mm -hmm. the rule of God, the bringing in the kingdom of God and the the kingdom of God and the, the new covenant which is far superior yeah. to the old covenant. Actually, the new, te- the, the new covenant is written in our hearts, not on stone. And it is also um, uh, reduced down to and upgraded to, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and thy neighbors thyself. Notice in the Ten Commandments, they were never told they had to love God. They only said they had to keep the, the Sabbath day holy. They could, make it, could not make any idols. They could not use his name in vain. They, just, they weren't told they had to love him. Neither were they told in the, in the Ten Commandments that they had to love anybody else. They were just t- told how to behave ab- around them. They couldn't steal their stuff. They couldn't lie. They couldn't kill them, et cetera, et cetera, uh, or murder them, I should say. It's thou shalt not murder, by the way, not thou shalt not kill. But um, so, so these were just rules of human conduct for the safety of the people and also just plain old good idea to keep law and order and peace in the, in the midst of a community. Exactly, exactly. It's interesting, the whole concept of covenant. You know, what does a covenant mean? It's a, a covenant is an agreement. It's, it's like a, um, it's a compact or agreement or a deal. And, and in the Old Testament, when the people made covenants, say, if I, if I was to make a covenant with my neighbor about um, something to do with the land or something, what we would do, we'd take two you know, animals. That's what they would do. We would do that. That's what they would. No, what I'm yeah. talking about if we were back there. Okay. Two animals, cut them in two, and then you'd walk between those animals to ratify the covenant, saying that if I break this covenant— What's, had, what's happened to those animals is going to happen to me. Uh-huh. So it, it was really a commitment. Made in blood, actually, because the animals yeah, had it to was, die. Yeah, it was like a blood covenant, mm-hmm. a, agreement, um, and uh, a contract. And Abraham so, did that with God. They, they, well, uh, it's walked. interesting. God told Abraham, he said, get these animals yeah, and, then, and divide them in two. He yep. said, and just, just as a background here, he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So he takes these, and he divides them in two mm-hmm. according to the plan of God. And then at that night, that night, where it used to be, if people were making a covenant back then, both people would walk in between those mm-hmm. pieces, of, yeah. divided pieces of flesh. But this time, Abraham didn't walk through that. Mm-hmm. God did. It said, and it oh, came to pass that when the sun went down, it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces, not Abraham. So the covenant was made to and with Abraham. By God. God says, By God. God says, I'm making this covenant. Mm-hmm. I'm it's committing me. myself to I'm you. the one. I'm the, it says Jesus is the surety or the guarantee of the new covenant. I'm making a vow. I'm making a covenant that's unbreakable. Mm-hmm. With you, you know, and, and it, this is this, in a sense, this is all on me. That's right, and I think that's that's the twist that Satan wants us to miss, is that this the rest, the the uh, our righteousness, the faithfulness of God, is what works to complete the covenant in us. Now, notice today, God still can. The Old Testament, New Testament is also called the Old Covenant, the New Covenant, but in. in for everything God has, Satan is a counterfeit. And for the word covenant, which belongs to God, which means basically all I have, all that I have is yours and all that you have is right, mine. Right, uh, right. All my weapons are your weapons. All my food is your food. All my strength is your strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. All my time is your time. It's a total commitment to the other person, to their needs, their welfare. But Satan's counterfeit to the covenants of God and the word covenant is contract. And you can see that in contracts, when people get married and they have prenuptial contracts, and they're making business deals, they're making, okay, here's the fine print. If you do this and this, then I'm going to do this and this. Um, it's, it's like they don't trust one another. They're waiting, they're anticipating someone's going to do them in so that the contracts get thicker and there's more fine print to try to protect people, protect their interests from being um, taken advantage of. That's why there's so many lawyers these days. Right, right. Okay. But, but see, the thing is, that's not what God did at all. It wasn't a con. It wasn't a, 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 a contract. It was a covenant with us. And as we see Jesus in Mark, he's beginning to discuss and exp- expose this to the people. Now, it's interesting. You, you, if you look at the details of 
what happens in the verses, um, in all the Gospels, in all the Word of God. Just be very attentive to what is said and, so, and what is not said. Now, uh, in, cha- in verse 23, it says, Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. He's on his way to church and his disciples. And as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said, Look, why do you do that which is not lawful on the Sabbath? Now, first of all, stop and think just logically. Had you ever heard, re- reading the Old Testament many times, that thou shalt not pluck grains of, of uh, heads of grain on the Sabbath. You cannot pop them in your mouth and chew them on the way to church. There's nothing said that you can't just run your fingers through the wheat head, wheat heads and the, the grain and pluck a few out and eat them. It's just like eating a little uh, glucose or whatever on the way to church. Well, but, what happened is that the Pharisees had become uh, micromanagers of everything, and, and they, they were picky, picky, picky. They were they're said, straining oh, at gnats and swallowing camels. This actually. was considered work to them. You know, to this was work in oh. their rendition. And and Jesus said another time, He said, "You don't you on the Sabbath?" They he they complained because He healed somebody on the Sabbath. They were always complaining because he healed on the Sabbath. Yeah, we got. We'll get to that in the next chapter. Yeah. Okay. But you know, and and that's it's it just building. It's just building. So anyway, he says, "You think that's bad? That my guys picked the grain on on the way to church? Well, let me tell you something. that's really bad. You know what David did when he was hungry? Him and his guys, and they were starving, and they were coming through a a, a battle. He stopped by the 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 temple, or what was the, it, the tabernacle, tabernacle yeah. and he grabbed the showbread and ate it." For crying out loud, and he wasn't authorized, he wasn't a priest, and his guys ate it with him, and God did not strike him dead at all. He says, so what's so bad about this? That is even worse, and it's what it's not lawful to eat except for the priest, and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was not made for man, but man for the Sabbath. He says, you're using the Sabbath to crush men, to wear them out, to implicate them in sin, to discourage them. The Sabbath was meant to be a time and a day of rest and and resting before God, resting of our labor. Actually, the opposite of what we do. We work and strive and and work and strive and and, and, try and do and work and work and work. And God says, stop, stop working. It's okay to stop working. You know, you need a break. You need a break. And and yet they were trying to even find fault on this one day God had given the people for rest. They were now using it as a a, a club to beat the people. But Jesus did not fall for it. He, he really had, he, he really understood completely the battle, the war, and the, the, um, the issue. As a matter of fact, this issue that we're, we, we still, you say, well, what's this to me? What's this? Who cares about this? This is the whole foundation of Satan's platform upon which he still builds his accusations against the people of God through guilt, through breaking of the law, through sin. He, he continually uh, indicts us before the Most High, and we continually fall for it because we do not understand that the law has been completed and fulfilled, and our salvation comes through the blood of Jesus Christ, the, the atoning blood. But going back, this doesn't just start here. Where did this start? Well, actually, it started in the garden uh, when the people of Cain and Abel, when they were kicked out of the garden, and they began to work the fields and uh, raise the animals, raise the livestock. Abel raised sheep. He was a shepherd. He took care of the sheep. And Cain got to hoeing in the garden. He, you know, planted the vegetables, seeds, and grew the fruit trees or whatever he did. And the two of them decided to give offerings to God. Offerings are a, sac- a sign of uh, uh, an act of worship. So they're going to worship God by bringing their, the fruit of their labors. Um, so Abel brought the blood of a lamb. So the, the, the lamb actually was representing the, the shed blood, the blood that would be shed by the lamb of God. And so it was accepted to the Lord. And Cain's offering of fruit basket of good works and hard work and labor, and sweat, his own works, was not accepted by God. Because what, has, what had happened was Cain was trying to um, bring a a fruit basket in, in, in atonement for the sin uh, of bloodshed. You can't, you, it, there's, what I have done. This, yeah. this, look this what is I have the, done. This is mm-hmm. the product of what I have done. Yeah. And, and we don't, God, to make myself right with you. Look how hard I worked. I did. I, and right. this is for you, God, you should be. So, so we're like, 
making God, you know, feel like he's obligated or something because we've earned Jesus, it. Oh, look what he did. He did this and this and this and this. I'm so oh, good. Okay. I'm so, but, but yeah. here again, good works versus the blood of the lamb. It was right in the beginning. The act of worship became the bone of contention, really, that, that was going to be the spiritual linchpin of the whole spiritual battle between God and Satan because God says, I've done it. I did it for them. Um, uh, they're mine. Uh, I will complete the work I began in them. And Satan says to us, he says, you got to be good, try harder, do it over and measure up. Another thing, when you think of the context uh, where Jesus is operating here, uh, the, the Jews are, they're a, an occupied nation. They don't have their own real nation anymore. They're, they're occupied at this point by the Romans, mm-hmm. okay? They're an occupying force. And Romans, where you have Romans, you have what? Paganism. Absolutely. All kinds of gods. They believed Caesar was God. They had other gods there, mm-hmm. too. So the, the, the Pharisees, the scribes, were wanting to make sure that we keep our distinction as the people of God. Mm-hmm. So we've got to make rules after rule after rule after rule after rule the so the purpose in a sense ridiculous. the purpose of god old covenant to kind of keep the people in you know in their distinctiveness mm-hmm. Was the pharisees were wanting to keep the people in their distinctiveness through law bondage. but be bondage. Go, but be going but going beyond the principle of the principles of the law to just to rule after rule after rule to, to to put people into bondage and wear them so out. they wear them out mm-hmm. just wear them out to the point where to the point where details to the point where if we see in mark 7 now listen to this um we the jesus at this point he's already you know getting i don't know getting uh energized by this whole thing or getting stirred up by it he says in verse 1 i'm going to read the first four verses And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. And they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Verse 4. And he said to them, as the man was stepping forward, I'm sure, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. Now, this would seem like an absolutely retarded question. Dom, why would you ask if it's okay to do something good on the Sabbath? Because he's pointing out here that their their, uh, religious, uh, what is the word, Um, obsessions, Mm -hmm. had pushed their law to the extreme where it was no longer good to do good on the Sabbath. It was, it was breaking of the law to do good on the Sabbath because they were about to accuse him for healing this man with a withered hand. And it says um, they, they were looking for a way to trap him. They watched him closely, it says in verse 2, whether we'd heal on the Sabbath. Now, this may be the same continuation of the verses just before where they're on their way to church and strip the heads of grain, and they got their fingers slapped for that. And then he entered the synagogue, could have been the, the same day, the same event, and so there's a man, this guy, this time the man has got a very physically obvious problem. You know, the, the man in the first story in Mark had a religious spirit of uncleanness and he was, you know, he could hide out a little bit. But this guy was sitting probably right up in front and he had a withered hand or maybe he was in the back. Yeah. But Jesus said to him, step forward. So they knew something was going to happen. And he, then he asked this question, the question that really reveals the, the, the error of the religious spirit. You know, when you push anything to an extreme, it becomes extremist mm-hmm. and it, it, becomes, it becomes exposed for what it really is. And I think this was very clever and very powerful for him to use this to ask that question. Okay, so then we can't do anything good on the Sabbath. We have to wait till the next day. And this was many times the argument, I mean, he would use. Um, okay, so it's not okay. You wouldn't pull your sheep out of the pit on the Sabbath? Oh, yes, you would. You wouldn't lead your ox or your donkey to watering on the Sabbath? Oh, yes, you would. You, would, you, would, you, you wouldn't refrain from doing that because you know what? Your ox, your sheep, your donkey, that's money. 
that's that's your property. Livelihood. That's, that's yeah. Your livelihood. You're 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 gonna make sure that they're okay. But this person, they can suffer another day because so what, you know. But so Jesus then is cool. Um, so when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, and notice this word hardness of heart, is the symptom that Romans in Romans eleven Paul brings this up again. The hardness of heart came upon those who mixed. Law, law with grace, with grace. Yep. and it's the stupor spirit of stupor and a hardness of heart yeah and so he was angry um i'm thinking he was angry not at them so much as he was at the enemy who had set this up so perfectly that no matter what the people did they were going to be judged and they were going to be in trouble and anger is a symptom of injustice so he was seeing the injustices that the enemy had done uh, as the god of this world to the precious poor ignorant innocent um people so being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, and then also grieved by the fact that these men who are supposed to be the carriers of truth, the protectors of the law, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, the one who were supposed to know better, had so caved to the other side. They had been so bought out by Satan and so were doing his bidding as useful idiots that he was absolutely grieved. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. One, two, three, four words. Four words. Little little words, not big words, not co- complicated words. Four little words, obviously, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Shocking. Amazing. Can't put words to it. Did you just see what happened? Wow. Can't believe that. It was impossible for anything but the authority and the power that came through this man and his words to be uh, given credit for what happened. Mm -hmm. And the man, you know, he was asked. He had to take a step of faith, too, because normally you got a withered hand that's something you're going to hide. You're going to keep it, keep it in your pocket or something. He stretched it out, and it was made as whole as the other. And, of course, it's very, very obvious. Everybody, Saw. Everybody's eyes are, are centered on that, so, that, so we, that hand and that act and that miracle. They saw it. Okay. It makes me think of Galatians chapter 3. Paul was the, the, uh, the awesome um, apologist for this understanding of law versus grace. And in chapter 3 of Galatians, he says, and this is the fruit This is the fruit of the power of grace and the power of God versus the law. The law couldn't heal this man. He'd been under the law, sitting in the church, doing his do's Pharisees and, and don'ts. Heal this forever. Man, yeah, for sure. for, they didn't care if he got healed or not. They probably thought, <laughs> well, you know, he, he sinned somehow. Somehow he deserves this, he yeah. He somehow and he deserved this. And then look at the response of the, of well, the Pharisees. Well, in Galatians, yeah, well. The Pharisees. Pharisees. Wait, wait, wait. Before you do that, I'm going to do Galatians. Okay. Galatians, Paul says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. He's going back to the blood, the crucifixion, the atonement, the power of grace. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit, capital S, by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So he's going back to the basics. Are you gonna get, is the power coming through keeping the law and being beaten up and, 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 and being uh, condemned and watchdogged and perf- perfect? Or is it coming by the Spirit of God? The Word of God, Jesus' word, stretch it forth, stretch forth your hand, was confirmed. His words of authority about the law were confirmed by the fathers healing this man's hand. Or, um, And there was no dispute of it. There was no more discussion. It was settled in the miracle. It was, it was settled in the miracle, and the Pharisees <laughs> didn't like it, and they, they went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians, which was like a <laughs> the, Jewish political party that cooperated with the Romans. Rome, yeah. They were like the power traitors power guys against them how they might destroy him so rather than rejoicing right religion you know dead religion makes you mean and mad makes you mean makes you mad and makes you nasty and judgmental and you miss the whole point yep. and it's it's like the miracles so the if fa- the fair there was no miracles there available because you know because you could keep the law if he kept the law perfectly he'd still have the withered hand mm-hmm. But Jesus came, and he's superseding. He is showing himself superior in every way, in every situation, bringing in a new covenant, which is, you know, in the book of Hebrews, 
which is the discussion of where the Jewish believers mm-hmm. were going back to the law. They were sick of being right. persecuted. Right. They said, well, if we just go back to the law, we won't be persecuted right. so much. And then you have the whole deal with, uh, and he says, this is a better covenant. It's superior where you, what, what you have. Don't go back to the old. And then the Galatians, they're primarily Gentiles that were never really under the law. Mm-hmm. But then you had some Jewish guys coming in there called the Judaizers say, okay, well, if you want to be a, 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 a good Christian, you have to follow you know, you the have law. to follow these laws. And then, okay. And we still have that and then, today. And then James says, uh, or, or Romans, I think, um, where it says, if you uh, commit the point, whole law and offend in one point, point, you're guilty of all. You're guilty of all. So mm-hmm. that how is that going to work for you? Because That's not everybody was all. guilty of one, at least one thing, because as even they could not keep the law. Even now, even to this very present hour, the, the Jews that the practicing, those who are practicing um, the Jewish religion uh, cannot complete the whole law because they don't have a temple in which to sacrifice and their they, lambs. They really don't have any redemption. No, it's just they repeat, repeat, really, repeat. Like in no, Hebrews, it said over and over. They have no atonement. Every year they had to do this sacrifice of the lamb and many sacrifices in between. There was never an end. But with Jesus Christ, he is the end. He's the beginning and the end. He's the alpha, he's the omega. And he finished the work. And for those who can just receive that, uh, and and settle down because none of your good works, striving, none of your bad works, nothing is going to save you ref- except the Lord God Himself. As you submit to that, you know, we in our in our day, let's address this a little bit. You like to say you go you go to churches different places, okay? So you've got extremes usually. One variation you have <coughs> legalists who are there very preaching, you know sin, 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 you know, you're never, you're never right. You're never right with God. Not quite. Just, you might al- be almost, but never you're Almost, sure. but never quite. Now, you got to do this. you got to confess. you got to forsake and all that stuff, mm-hmm. okay? So you have that side. Then you have the other side mm-hmm. uh, uh, in churches, uh, the other extreme, I should say, where it's like you can believe in Jesus you and you can be transsexual. You, you can do whatever you want. Because grace covers it all. Jesus is so lovey-dovey. He'll cover anything that you want to do. And it's okay because he understands. And he'll so forgive you. So have, mm-hmm. you have law versus antinomianism, or which is there's lawlessness. Yeah. And it's not just saying, you don't go to church and say, you must keep the law. But what, what, what a lot of people go to church and they, they find out, they, they hear something different. They hear a mixture, obviously, and, what, and this is. Let's talk about the well, mixture. The, you know, and what this happens. is the problem. This is the the problem with Cain and Abel is still in the church today, and you said you you never can be good enough. You go to church and there's always one more thing. There's something wrong. Got to do more, um, and you got to try. Yeah. How many messages have I heard mm-hmm. over the years that talks about you got to basically saying try harder, do something, try more. to reach mm-hmm. the lost. Try to sign up for the nursery, you know, put the money in the offering, da, 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 you know, and not to say that, you know, there's uh, the thing is, the point is, the battle is between the powerful gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the gospel of good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God, the gospel of love and, and forgiveness and laying down your life for someone else. That's that gospel. Versus the devil's counterfeit gospel. Jesus' gospel goes like this. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. The devil's rendition of that gospel, using scriptures out of the Bible, goes something like this. Stop sinning. Be good. Get it right. Do it over. Measure up. If you're in treatment, stay sober. Work the program and take responsibility. So that that's, that's but how do you know which is which? That is basically what you just said there. The last part of what you said is is kind of like the mainstream of what we see as Christianity, at mm-hmm. least in America. It's take responsibility. It's self. It's self help. Self help. Self uh, discipline. Self performance. Self perfection. Um, you know. B- you know. Taking the matters of of anything into your own hands. Taking control of your life. Uh, and and all of this stuff, yeah. This all takes 
the, the, the sin behind witchcraft is it's up to me. I've got to do it. I've got to take control. And when you try to take control even of your righteousness, you have just sinned. You've just, well, you've well, just missed the whole point. It's, you said it's witchcraft. It's interesting what you just read in Galatians. It's Galatians chapter 3, Bewitched, verse 1. Yeah, yeah. Who has Bewitched. bewitched you? Right. So, so <clears throat> they said they're trying to take control. Well, how, going back to the question, okay, how do we know stop sinning, try harder, be good, get it right, measure up, do it over, is the wrong gospel? Well, there's one simple way to, to decide and to determine any truth of anything, and that is to re- reduce it down to where it comes from. So what does what are the fruits of try harder, be good, get it right, do it over, measure up? Stress, failure, condemnation, yep. uh, more failure. The origin and the, where, the fruit. Where, the do, fruit. Where, right. do, where do stress and failure come from? God's kingdom or the devil's kingdom? And by the way, I don't have a kingdom. There's not a kingdom of my flesh. Some people say, oh, it's just my flesh. Oh, it's just the flesh. You don't even understand what you're talking about. But you don't have a kingdom. The, the flesh is the connection the li- we're living flesh when our body is still connected with our soul. We're living flesh. We're alive. We're flesh. And the soul has been programmed by the snake pit to believe lies. And so when you use your soul as your navigating software, mind, will, and emotions, you're going to come up with uh, conclusions that are in error. However, that's why God says don't use that old soul software, body of death operating system, as he's talking about in Romans. But use the spirit, walk in the spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is what Paul is talking about in in uh, in Galatians too. The spirit, walking in the spirit, the spirit of God, His spirit bearing witness with your spirit, walking in the spirit. There is now, therefore, no condemnation. Now, when you're walking in the spirit, there is no condemnation. All the Jews could do was cringe at the next moment because there would be a condemnation, there'd be a failure, there'd be a guilt, there'd be an accusation, there'd be a, something that they didn't do right, some law they broke. This was not God's intention to make them neurotic or, or um, uh, give on, put on them a neurosis. Uh, his, he, you, know, you cannot pass a law to force somebody to love you. You cannot. You, you cannot grab your girlfriend, boyfriend by the neck and say, you're going to love me. You're going to marry or me. Else. Do you hear you love cannot be uh, legislated with a law. Love has got to come from a heart, a heart that's been changed, converted, transformed, set free by the love of Christ. A, a heart that is receives and knows that it is love, therefore it can love. And why why do we have legislatures, a national, uh, Congress, state, well, yeah, con- yeah, yeah. legislating, making laws, 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 more laws all the time? And what do we have? We have more ungodliness and more rebellion. We have more, more anger, rebellion. more we lawlessness, more evil, we more have coldness, more violence, more hatred, we have more treachery mm-hmm. than we ever have. The more laws, the more laws you have, the more transgression you have. And basically, what that's right. The reason we have all these laws is because people are lawless. Because people don't love each other. That's right. There's no, there's no love of God. If you, if you, if they love, if we loved one another and loved ourselves and loved God. You wouldn't even need these laws because they'd be written in your heart. And you already know uh, how to perform, what to do, how to behave. And, right. you know, you put the other person first. Uh, do unto others that you'd have them do unto you. Uh, the golden rules. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You know, all of these things would come spiritually, naturally to us. Right. But because there's a war going on and Satan has counterfeited that gospel of Jesus Christ with the gospel of good works. And, and, and uh, well, actually. Now, wait a minute. Let's, let's, I'm going to just challenge you here for a second. In a friendly way, okay? Okay. Now, God has given, he's called us to good works. He says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, uh, it talks about 8 through 10, that God has uh, good works for us that he has prepared that we should walk in them, Mm -hmm. okay? We're created in Christ Jesus. Unto good works. Unto good works, Mm -hmm. which God has prepared uh, beforehand or ahead of time. That we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. Now, what's the difference, let's talk about this just a little bit, between the good works, um, works and good works. I mean, God doesn't want us to do bad stuff, <coughs> mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. He okay. wants us to do good right. stuff. Well, see, in the... In the what's uh, the difference? It, it, you know, try harder, be good, get it right, do it over, are all works. And they can be works of the flesh, actually. Actually, yes. And, and so um, Jesus' gospel is the the picture of the the vine. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branch. 
as the branch abides in the vine, it cannot help but be what the vine is because it's it's receiving its life from the vine. And out of that relationship comes fruit, not works. It's fruit. So out of the abiding with Christ comes the fruits of joy, peace, righteousness, in which we, with love and desire, bless and help and heal and encourage other people. It's a natural out of that abiding process. Out of that abiding. And, and, but, you know, you can call God calls it fruit. The devil calls it works. Right. Now, here's the deal, though. Out of that, that fruit, out of that abiding, does come works, acts of kindness, works of, of, uh, that help people, uh, right. supplying, giving, uh, supporting, sustaining, works of, of, of encouragement, words of encouragement. These things come out of, but they're still coming out of, the relationship. So, so it's 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 fruit. But some in some religions they they it's like the the horse the cart and the horse. They put the cart which is carrying the good works. They put that in front of the horse because they want to earn their way to heaven. They want to present their good works. And when you put the cart in front of the horse and push it up the the hill, it's going to be hard work. If you put the horse which is grace and God's strength and anointing power and anointing to do his will pulling the cart then, then it's in the right order. So a lot of people put the cart, you know, they got a lot of do's and don'ts and rules and commandments and church commandments and sacraments and sacrifices and penance and stuff. They do all that stuff, but it is sim- it's, it's coming out of the lie. It's coming out of the lie that I'm not yet quite totally healed, forgiven, and redeemed. I've still got to add something to the cross. I've still got to add my good works. You know, Paul says, that it gets tangled. Paul says, sometimes you're even doing things you don't want to do. He says in Romans seven twenty, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. It is the sin that dwells in me. Even for the in the best of intentions, for some of us, all of us, there are times when we end up doing things that we didn't want to do or don't want to do. And people people are hooked under addictions. This is kind of a particularly specific, um, you know, torture rack. You know, between trying to quit what you can't stop, but. The, so, so this this idea of works cannot save us. The law cannot save us, and the enemy has set up a counterfeit gospel, and his gospel is built on not grace but guilt. And so, basically, what the you know in Galatians five it talks about the fruit of the spirit. It's basically the results of the spirit of God living in us. The result, which is really, it's the life of Christ. Christ lives in us. So when we when you're talking about abiding, Marjorie, we're the life, the vine, uh, the branch abides in the vine, so the life that's in the vine comes into the branch. Correct. And the result is the fruitfulness. Mm-hmm. So he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, the mm-hmm. results or the expression of the Spirit at work in our lives, Galatians five twenty two through 23, love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Those, those characteristics, come out those of abiding. qualities are really the qualities of God. That are developed are in us through the Holy Christ, Spirit, yeah. That as we cooperate with the Spirit of God, Our, though that w- those will be the distinctive uh, distinguishing qualities of our lives. Those are the product, the product of our uh, relationship with Christ and the life of Jesus living in us and flowing through us. And, and so when you're trying, wanting to render down, reduce down whatever you're doing, you can simply say, who said this or why am I doing this? And if it reduces down to fear, it reduces down to fear, which comes from the kingdom of hell. If it reduces down to love, you're good. So Satan, in his attempt to counterfeit the gospel of Jesus Christ because he couldn't technically ever remove it, it was too powerful, um, the gospel of grace and good news. He created a counterfeit gospel called, I call it the gospel of guilt, and from, uh, guilt and be good. And so he wants people to, impl- implies that through keeping of the law, you can be good. And, and But however, here's the problem. If you reduce and look clearly, carefully at this law, the gospel of guilt, guilt means I'm bad, I did something wrong, and I've got to be good. So we're feeling guilty. We're still feeling the guilt of our sin, uh, the condemnation, the that I did something wrong, uh, when in fact you were actually tricked into doing something wrong. But so guilt provokes us to try to be good. So we have churches filled with people who are feeling condemned because they're mixing law and grace. In Romans uh, eight, it says uh, come, one. It says there is now therefore no condemnation right. to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, 
That's the guilt thing. That's the soul. That's the mind, will, and emotions. Uh, reasoning and trying to rationalize and filled with religion uh, or walk in the spirit. So he says, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So in, in, in the churches, we have this gospel of guilt. Try harder. You did something wrong. They're mixing law, mixing the works and, and law with grace. And so they try to be good. And when they try to be good, they they have to they, they they get they they get mad because you get mad because I was good it's still not working it's still not changing anything I'm still not good enough I'm still feeling guilty so we get mad and then when we get mad what do we do well a lot of people do this they go away they go away from the church they go away from the word they go away from God because they're they're dis- this isn't working th- this isn't working they're discouraged they go away and so they get mad and go away now there's another group that get mad and stay. And they stay in the church and they begin to compare themselves with everyone else and, be, and, they, and they judge. They begin to judge. I'm better than you. At least I'm not doing that. And so they, so we have the, the fruit of the gospel of the enemy, the gospel of guilt and be good is to go away, get mad or judge, judge others. And so this is not the fruit of the kingdom of God, as a matter of fact. And, and if you look through the carefully, I'm just going to read a fast list here of the counterfeits that Satan has for the things of God. We talked earlier about works versus fruit. Okay, so Satan has works, God has fruit. Satan makes the gospel about sin, God makes it about his son and salvation. Satan works out of the soul, mind, will, emotions, and reasoning, etc., and God works through the spirit. Satan works out of fear and producing fear in our hearts and motivating through fear, and God works and motivates us through faith and love. The, the, the enemy uses the, the, the signs of circumcision and, and, and marks and penances and laws. And God uses the cross, circumcision versus the cross. Satan sets up programs and worries and wearies and drains and, and, and cajoles the people of Expensive God through programs. programs. Times, and yeah. God responds through power. Satan gives us all the mandates of trying God says it comes through trusting. Satan says it comes through doing. God says it comes through being. We're human beings. Our identity doesn't change just because we sin. Our identity doesn't change because we fall into a mud puddle. Our identity is we're still made in the image of God. Now, whether we're going to respond to that image and live in that image and embrace that as who we are or go along and believe what the devil says or the world, um, that's, that's the question. We, G- Satan makes it about earning, God, er, earning our, our right to be saved. God makes it about receiving what he's already given. God made it all about him. Satan makes it about striving. The, the, the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of resting. There's a rest to the believer. Satan makes his gospel about death and God makes his about life. Satan is religion. God is relationship. Satan is slavery and depravity and God's is sonship. Satan works through addictions. He, he sets people up in addictions and striving and torture acts, try harder to quit what you can't stop. And, and Jesus's gospel is one of deliverance. The, 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 the devil works through theology. God works through divine revelation. The devil's works through theory and God works through truth. The devil works through guilt and makes people feel guilty. Jesus, God's gospel is they're justified. The, the, the devil talks about condemnation. God talks about forgiven. The devil talks about practice, practice, you know, you know, um, and God talks about promise. Mm -hmm. The devil talks about commandments. God talks about covenants. The devil talks about earning and Jesus talks about the gift. Uh, The devil promotes self-righteousness and the gospel of the son of God promotes the righteousness of Christ in us. The gospel of works, the gospel of Satan is about self and doing it. And the gospel of God is about the Holy Spirit's just direction. The Gospel of the Old Testament works was the gospel of the blood of the lambs. And in the New Testament, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the blood of the lamb. We are in the old covenant of, 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 of mixing law and works and, and Satan's gospel. We get to be our own gods. And in, the, in God's gospel, we're made in the image of God. You see how it goes on and on and on. Mm. I've got more on this list. We've got magic keep versus going. miracles. Keep, keep okay. going. Keep going. We've got worshiping of the self versus worshiping of God. We've got sacrificing to idols versus accepted being accepted in the beloved. We have the feelings of a being abandoned 
versus God's being gathered in. We have the feelings of being estranged versus being uh, known and loved. We have verse lost, feeling lost versus being found. We have destroyed versus redeemed, unknown versus loved, ever learning versus knowing, anxiety versus assurance, guilt and shame versus discern- forgiveness, Divin- divination versus discernment, the power of demons versus the power of God, magic versus miracles, insecurity versus security, thinking versus knowing, feeling versus faith, lust versus love, condemnation versus conviction, lie versus truth, deleted versus restored, programmed versus alive in Christ, worldly wisdom in James versus the wisdom of God, peddling the gospel according to what uh, Paul is saying, versus preaching the gospel, hirelings versus under-shepherd, curses versus blessings, mysteries of iniquity versus mysteries of the kingdom, imitation everything versus the real thing, restricted access versus versus available immediately. These are just a few, and I'm sure there's many others, probably could fill another couple pages, with the differences between the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the gospel of good news and grace, versus the, the gospel of guilt and be good. As a matter of fact, it's kind of funny when you think about it, did you ever in any of the Gospels ever hear Jesus saying to any, any of the disciples at any time, you know, you, what were you thinking? You've got to be good, you, you know, um, be good. Or and, and Jesus said, you know, you should really try harder, you guys. <laughs> right? Is that what he said? Absolutely not. No, he never mentioned you it. You know, and, and basically... Um, By the way, that list of things that I just read is out of the um, Diagnosing Your Family Tree which is available at Life Recovery in case yes, you're wanting you, to you know to where to get, get a hold of all that. I mean, that. It's, it, it, the whole thing's worth it just to get that list when you think about yeah, it, really. Well. really. And it's interesting, you know, the, um, the difference, really, it's, um, it's do versus done. Yeah, exactly. Do mm-hmm. versus done. And, and it's, uh, you know, it's done. You know, you, the new covenant says... Um, you are forgiven, you know, when we come to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. It's done. You, we are forgiven. We are healed. We are blessed. We are righteous. We are holy. We are mighty. Mm-hmm. We are accepted. We are loved. So it's not what we strive to be. It's actually who we are. Yeah, well, we can't be, be anything more than who we already are. We. It's like striving to get into a room you're already in. It's like... Be... Be who God has made you to know be. Know who you are. That's really... Know, knowing who you are. And it's um, it's interesting. There's an old poem. Um, goes a little ditty that kind of goes like this, but there's a lot of truth in it. To run and work, the law commands, but it gives me neither feet nor hands. Mm-hmm. But better news the gospel brings, it bids me fly and gives me wings. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And, you know, this is the power. This is the breakthrough that you may be looking for. Some of you, you know, you're, you're tangled up in the law. You're still, your feet, your ankles are still tangled up in trying and, and, and never enough, never quite, you know, the self-help drives me nuts because it's so deceiving. People are trying to um, uh, do what they, get, what only, what, what's already been done, actually. And you just need to be able to get that revelation. So what you want to pray for is, Lord God, give me the revelation of what is finished what, where am I in this plan of things? I don't want to be uh, buy into the devil's counterfeit gospel. I want to live and move and have my being in you. I want to be productive in you. And you know, when you're truly walking and resting and abiding and being um, in the Lord, you're, you're not going to sin anyway, because why would you want to sin? It's not who you are. If you know who you are, made in the image of God, you love righteousness, you love truth, you love justice. And who's going to get you to that place? Not the devil inside of you who's going to try to be your spiritual counselor, but the Holy Spirit who's going to talk, who's already been commissioned by God to lead you into all truth and triumph. It's really about resting and abiding and believing and obeying him. In Galatians five thirteen and 14, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Absolutely. For all the law mm-hmm. is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that's Galatians, and Jesus what? Reduced, Galatians 5, what? Uh, Galatians 5, 13 and 14. And Jesus reduced all of this down 
the whole, he says, all the law mm-hmm. and the province uh, is, is this. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. How, how awesome is that and how sweet very, is that? Very simple. How, how it's not always easy, but it's very simple. And that's what we're looking for. So, Father, we thank yes. you that, um, Jesus, you came to explain it and make it very clear. And for those whosoever will, it becomes very, very clear. But to the rest, Lord God, we pray that you'd open their eyes that they would no longer be captured and tormented on the torture racks of hell, of trying and striving harder to be good, keeping commandments and laws that have already been fulfilled through the love and atoning blood of Jesus Christ. So I ask you now, Lord God, to give us encouragement and to keep our focus, keep the main thing the main thing and not be distracted by all that's going on around us. Jesus Christ, the King, is returning soon. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.